intersectionality as we now understand it takes into account much more than just the intersections of race and gender. It also helps to explain the interplay between all kinds of discrimination, whether it's based on gender, race, age, class, socioeconomic status, physical or mental ability, gender or sexual identity, religion or ethnicity. Welcome to The Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. And I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. Come on in. Today, Julie and I are going to be discussing intersectional feminism, how we came to it, what it is, and why it's so important. That's right, Cindy. I grew up thinking of myself as a feminist. My mother was a feminist. Even my dad said he was a feminist. My parents were not feminists, but I definitely was. And together, we always believed that all men and women should be treated equally in every way. But being raised in and surrounded by whiteness, we never realized we weren't talking about all women. We thought we were. It was all women as we understood women. But everything was based on the needs of women like us, middle-class white women, as if all women are the same and have the same needs. Agreed. We just didn't know better. It was an ignorant time. In the past several years, we've learned that our feminism was white feminism. Although if anyone asked, we would probably have insisted that it had no color. We weren't thinking about color. And that of course was part of the problem. We knew we had a gender disadvantage, but we're privileged by our race in a way that did not allow us to see it as a factor and that resulted in faulty thinking about what women need. Yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah. From the early suffragettes to today, feminism hasn't done a good job at including minority women. Women of color have often been left out while feminism fought for the advancement of white women or at least the white woman's point of view. Right, so we've been working on correcting our view and learning everything we can Our current feminism is intersectional, which includes different perspectives and considers ways that women experience overlapping discrimination based on other aspects of their lives, such as their race, their socioeconomic status, or their abilities. You may have heard the phrases intersectionality or intersectional feminism. Intersectionality has recently been more common in public discussions about feminism, but it's not really new. No, but the term has been thrown around more and more and used on social media a lot recently. Most people know that feminism is the belief and the movement working to end discrimination based on gender and to achieve gender equality in social, political, and economic arenas in actually every arena. Feminism is often viewed as happening in waves, though, as with other complicated ideas and movements, it isn't as straightforward as that. But basically, the first wave feminism refers to the suffragettes from the 19th and early 20th century. Not the first time anyone fought for women's rights or for feminism, but the first time 
there was a strong political movement here in the Western part of the globe. Feminist activists fought for the right to vote, for reproductive rights and other issues of equality and proper treatment, for women not to be treated as property, but as people with basic human rights. Many of the first wave feminists were abolitionists, yet they still focused primarily on the plight of the white woman. And then second wave feminism grew during the 1960s along with anti-war and civil rights movements, questioning traditional gender and societal roles for women. Different subgroups emerged in this wave, including mainstream or liberal feminism, radical feminism, and cultural feminism. Mainstream liberal feminism worked on institutional reforms, such as promoting equality in male-dominated spaces and reducing discrimination. Radical feminism asserts that the system itself is inherently patriarchal and needs to change from deep within. And cultural feminism suggests that men and women approach the world very differently and argues that more value should be given to the woman's point of view. Third wave feminism started in the mid 90s when many third wavers rejected the idea that wearing makeup and high heels or doing things that society sees as traditionally female make a woman less strong or empowered. They encourage embracing the choices and desires of all women, including women that choose traditional roles and ideas. A lot of third wave proponents refuse to even identify as feminists because they find what they see as an us versus them mentality and other ideas of feminism as they understand them to be too limiting and exclusionary. Julie, I guess we came of age during a transitional period in feminism. I remember identifying strongly with feminist ideals, but also being sure that I could wear dresses and long hair to work and not just suits with short hair or hair pulled back and still be respected and professional. Me too. Although I have to say we're in a field that has a lot of women and there are probably plenty of fields where that might not have been true while we were in our 20s or 30s. Correct. Finally, it was during the third wave of feminism that people became more and more aware of the idea of intersectionality. Law professor and civil rights advocate Kimberlé Crenshaw developed the theory of intersectionality and coined the term in 1989. She was still a law student when she saw that gender and race shouldn't be studied or treated as two distinctly separate ideas or issues because they're not isolated from each other. She saw that women of color, for example, are doubly discriminated against. Intersectionality helps us understand that while all women are subject to the wage gap, some are affected more due to race. It's a good example and it's frequently used. So it's often stated, and one of the things feminists have fought for is that a woman makes 78 cents to a man's dollar. But this statistic only applies to white women. Black women earn 64 cents to a white man's dollar and Hispanic women only earn 56 cents. Wow. Crenshaw was a critical race theorist and as she defined it, intersectional feminism is the understanding of how women's overlapping identities, including race, class, sexual orientation, gender identity, ability, religion, age, and immigration status, and probably other things, impact the way they experience discrimination. 
The idea is that all women experience the world differently. So a feminism that's centered on one type of woman and ignores the interconnecting and often overlapping systems of oppression is going to be exclusive and incomplete. Kimberlake Crenshaw uses the 1976 case of the Graffenreid versus General Motors as an illustration of intersectionality. In that case, five African-American women sued General Motors, the car manufacturer, for racial and gender discrimination. But the women lost because the courts found, since most of the employees in the GM secretarial pool were women, that women were not discriminated against. And the court also found that since General Motors employed many African-Americans in their factories, there was no racial discrimination. Yes, and that is an offensive court conclusion, which once again points to the fact that the courts and the judges have bias. The problem with the conclusion was that it ignored the fact that the majority of secretaries there were white women and the factory workers were all men. So the discrimination of black women was not seen or understood as an important intersection that led to specific discrimination. Not to mention that being in the secretarial pool is not equal to other jobs with more status that men held. Although intersectional theory today is applied to all kinds of people, Crenshaw began with black women whose oppression, as you can see in the General Motors example, couldn't be explained only in terms of racism or sexism. They had to both be looked at. Many feminist activists were aware of Crenshaw's theory, but it became most popular in the last five to seven years, it seems. Despite coining the term, Crenshaw is also the first to admit that she's not the first to understand or articulate it. She cites building on the work of early Black feminists and women from all the way back to 19th century Black liberation activist Anna J. Cooper up to the prominent political activist Angela Davis. Intersectionality, as we now understand it, takes into account much more than just the intersections of race and gender. It also helps to explain the interplay between all kinds of discrimination, whether it's based on gender, race, age, class, socioeconomic status, physical or mental ability, gender or sexual identity, religion or ethnicity. Now, the fourth wave of feminism is still evolving. The issues aren't new exactly, but they're receiving new attention with movements like Me Too, body positivity, rape culture, and the fact that reproductive rights are under serious attack. Yes. There are still people who prefer the old-fashioned and exclusionary feminism. But by adding the idea of intersectionality, the movement becomes really, truly inclusive. And it allows women of all races, economic standings, religions, identities, and orientations to be heard. The concepts of privilege and intersectionality have gained traction, especially among younger feminists, and they can be applied to all the situations that women face. What we have to remember, though it's so obvious to us now, is that white women and women of color have uniquely different experiences, made even more complex if they're trans or poor, for example. In order to include all women, feminism has to be intersectional and take differences into account. We have to listen to different kinds of women and feminists, not just ones that are like us. Making our feminism intersectional makes perfect sense to us. 
your life experiences are based on how your multiple identities intermingle and are impact. We are complicated human beings. There are so many examples in the workplace and in everyday life. One example in politics is that class and socioeconomic discrimination intersect with sexism, making it really hard for poor women to get elected because of the high costs involved. Immigrant women are more likely to face violence as are women with disabilities. People of color and transgender people are more likely to be victims of violence and murder than cisgender people. A white heterosexual woman might experience discrimination based on her gender, but a black lesbian might experience discrimination based on her gender, race, and sexual orientation. Yeah, lots more opportunities for discrimination. Yeah. From our current feminist lens, intersectional feminism is inclusive and looking to lift up all people so that everyone's rights are protected. And as we can see from these examples, to be truly meaningful and effective, feminism can't just focus on gender. Equality for women can't happen without equality for black, brown, and indigenous people, poor people, LGBTQ people, young people, old people, and differently abled people. Exactly, Julie. Through the lens of intersectional feminism, we recognize our own privilege and pay attention to issues important to women of color and other marginalized women. We hold their lived experience at the center of our own struggle, even sometimes when we don't quite understand it. It's the difference between getting annoyed at someone who keeps bringing up their anger about racialized treatment versus taking a look at what needs to happen to make them feel included. We do realize and acknowledge that we may do or say things that uphold oppressive structures, even as we work really hard to unlearn them. And we've been working hard <laughs> on that and we will keep doing that. Intersectional feminism is challenging and forces us to constantly work to grasp new ideas and perspectives. But still, we believe it's the way forward. And we challenge ourselves to apply intersectionality to our feminism and to our understanding of all social justice work. To make your own feminism more intersectional, it's important to learn from and listen to all voices. It's really the only way to learn what life is like for other people, what their struggles are, and what changes they want and need to have happen. If you're white, it's a good idea to listen more, speak less, and learn from criticism. It's also important to acknowledge that you've benefited from white supremacy. If you're straight, you've benefited from heteronormativity. You have to acknowledge all discriminatory systems you may be a part of. And then it's important to use whatever privilege you have to work to dismantle them. And doing that involves being aware, looking around to become more aware of the places in your life, whether it's work, school, neighborhood, where you can take some action, large or small. If you're in a position to donate money, you can donate to organizations where money could affect meaningful change for communities. Becoming an intersectional feminist, as with being anti-racist, is a lifelong process. You never stop working at it. If you're interested in learning more, here are a few books about intersectional feminism. There's Crenshaw's On Intersectionality, Angela Y. Davis's Women, Race, and Class, and Molly Smith and Juno Max, Revolting Prostitutes. Those are good ones. And there's a website, bookriot.com, that has a lot of nice books on the topic. Specifically, you can 
do bookriot.com slash down with the brochalism top 10 books by revolutionary women, where there's a dash between each of those words as yeah. in down dash with dash the dash brochalism top 10 books by revolutionary women. It's a lot to type in, but I bet you can find it just by going to the website. Bookriot.com. Thank you all for listening. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Shrinks on Third. Till next time. Take care.